1: Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. Last year we heard from Eric Hines and Edo Choi all about the First Look Film Festival from the Museum of the Moving Image. And here we are again to hear about the 2023 program. If you're in New York, you should really check this out. And regardless, I hope you enjoy the interview. It has been a year since we sat down and talked about the MOMI First Look Festival, and I am so curious to kind of catch up with you guys and hear how things have been over the last year, how last year's festival was, and then talk to you about this year's and what we have to look forward to. So, Edo, what's been going on, sir?
2: Well, last year's festival, I think, was a real success, and uh, we're excited to be be back this year and are really, really, I think, proud of this slate and the lineup of events that we have as part of working on it. I think it's going to be
0: an exciting year. Our turnout last year was... The best we've ever had, and coming off the pandemic, that was not quite what we expected. But it certainly is exciting to be in a position of of thinking about it it growing in terms of both audience and in terms of what we're doing.
1: So, how did this year's slate of films come together? Well, we we start pretty
0: early in terms of watching, and yeah, because we're a year round venue, and we do programming all year round for various purposes, both for for like kind of monthly programming and also you know special series things of that nature. And we both travel. I think we were starting with an eye towards programming at least as far back as can last year. And we have we have films from Cannes. And you know, in a sense, have an eye on those things and then start kind of setting out feelers for the availability of films late summer and then start doing some actual invitations in the fall. So yeah, it goes it goes it goes way back in that respect, you know, and we're not ever opposed to films even further back. You know, ideally we're looking at films from 2022 and 2023, Um and, I, and we don't have anything older than that. But even before Ken, I was at Millennium Docs Against Gravity in Warsaw of early May of last year and, and came out with two films from that festival. So I being in March, we used to be in January. We're a little bit more in play in terms of this season's films, and you'll see that in terms of where some films have come from in terms of 2023 films. But that's not necessarily how we think of things. We're really looking to kind of just... Like what is not shown in New York? What can we introduce to the New York audience? And what can we maybe sort of get behind as we sort of try to, you know, get behind films and filmmakers this stage? It's crazy to think about our purview being like that wide open in terms of an entire year, but it is, even though our, our festival is really compact in terms of 18 features and then a dozen or so shorts.
1: So other than the
0: criteria of having not been shown in New York before, I mean, what makes a good first look film for you guys? but we're always talking about that. And I think maybe we probably both have different angles on that in a way that we should. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the the notion of the title of the festival first look predates us. It was, you know, it was there from the very first year, but we've kind of run with that a little bit. And it being kind of obviously the first time showing in New York, but also like a first take on something, a, a way of making films or a way of approaching a genre that we haven't quite seen before or, Also, it being kind of early in a filmmaker's career. Not necessarily, but it it could be like part of what we're embracing. And then also, as Edo mentioned, the working on it element, which is the daytimes of the first three days of the festival, are all works in progress or discussions of of the artistic process. And that's a first look, too. You know, you're really seeing it first. Often, this is the first time that anything's ever left the editing suite and we're getting a chance to take a look at it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the guiding principle behind all of it. And I think that every film in the festival winds up being something that we consider in terms of the notion of how we might think of of first look. And and, and maybe I'm attracted to a particular film because I've never quite seen it before. And then maybe sometimes Edo is attracted to something because it has a fresh take on maybe it's more of classically told, but but there's there's something new there, you know, or it's the it's the first time that a particular filmmaker or approach to filmmaking has been shown in a New York festival a long time.
1: When you guys don't agree about something, how do you, th- do you work it out? Is it knives, guns, I <laughs> mean, like
0: wrestling? I think it's very peaceable. I mean, one way that we're different, I think, than other festivals. And I mean, obviously we're not a submissions festival, so we are very much, it's curated in terms of things that we found over the course of the year, but we, we're not, we're not, it's, not a, it's, it's Edo and myself and Sonia Epstein, who's our our science and on-screen curator, but also is sort of like going well beyond that in terms of films that she she was considering and pushing forward this year. We're not voting. Obviously, we don't want to show or show a film that any one of us is really uncomfortable with, but there are films here that maybe one of us, one or two of us, has a real passion for. Right And we go with that. You know, like I think there was moments that I don't want to go down to particular films, but there are films that maybe one or of us maybe was not entirely sold on, but then the other... One or two were basically like but it just these these are the reasons it has to be there and that wins out like i'd rather have passion for for a selection rather than there being kind of like somewhere down the middle
2: i agree this isn't quite to your point about how we settle disputes or disagreements around a certain film but but it i, I think it relates to what eric was also saying earlier about how we judge whether a film is eligible for a year's festival because There are films that might be, I mean, particularly with some short films, I often find myself going a little bit further back in time. I'm interested not just in what's the latest, you know, fresh off the presses work, but also what is just vital work that represents a practice ongoing by an artist or a filmmaker in this moment who maybe is... Under shown in North America or in New York or the East Coast or wherever, and uh, whose work deserves to be kind of shown in a context like this and put before a New York audience for the first time, that becomes a, a real factor in whether I think something is not worthy of inclusion. I don't want to put it that way, but something that I'm attracted to including and and, and, and that
0: I want to put our full support behind. Yeah, I mean, Edo does a, an experimental film programming year-round, an experimental film program that Edo and Becca Keating on staff work on. And for this year's festival, Edo put together two experimental programs. And as he's saying, really has a mind for introducing an artist that, you know, as he said, maybe the films are two years old, but they haven't necessarily been presented in this context and they haven't necessarily been presented alongside some other filmmakers that maybe have new works that people are familiar with the filmmakers, but they're not familiar with this other filmmaker. And that way of introducing films to particular audiences is is something that I know he cares about.
1: You guys have been going out and going to all these film festivals, as you said, how is kind of the state of film festivals these days? It sounds like you're going to more in-person things. Obviously we had a time where there were no in-person things. You're back in person have been now. This is the second year but how's the the rest of the world as far as, you know,
0: coming back from the pandemic? It sort of depends on the festival. Um, there are some general trends we could speak to, but and I know just got back from Berlin and, and I think his sense of Berlin this year to last is quite different.
2: I mean, last year Berlin was in person, but it was in person in a kind of emergency way. The festival schedule was reduced for professionals who were confined to the first six days there was mandatory masking and testing for members of press each morning, and there were the theater seating was all very socially distanced, which means that they actually had to like double the number of theaters they used for each press screening to fit a number of press into the into the house. And at the same time, attendance was much much lower because very few people actually were able to make it to the festival or found it useful to make it under such kind of spartan conditions so this year was a real change i mean it felt like i was experiencing berlin for the first time in a lot of ways because last year was my first year going to that festival but this year felt like a real addition and uh it was reflected in the the number of people but also in the um sense of excitement around the events and, of course, the, the evening gatherings and parties that would attend them, which none of which happened, happened last year. And I, I do think that more or less international festivals are kind of back to where they were or they're attempting to project that they're back to where they were and they're
0: attempting to get those audiences and professional communities back. And that's, and that's certainly the way that Cannes approached things last year, where the idea behind that is that they're fully back. And yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it was back to the levels of attendance for 2019, say, but it was, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it didn't feel like threadbare, that's for sure. There's certainly a lot, of, a lot of money being spent both on the festival and taking away from the festival. Whereas a, film like, a festival like Sundance, which had two years of being fully online, and this year went hybrid, I was there on the ground and there was definitely, you know, a mu- like a significant reduction in audience. And I'm very curious about how they're going to handle that going forward. If they're going to remain hybrid or if they're going to shift more towards in person, but yeah, it felt a little bit like they're just getting their legs back. Whereas another festival like can seemed like they were back as a 2022. So, you know, and then I would say just that this to would spend too long. I'm sure you have other questions, but in terms of some of the smaller regional festivals, I think that they bounced back a little bit um, more forcefully. If you know, a community like Camden in Maine or True False in Columbia, like they, it felt like those festivals were really kind of coming back. Because that, because they're so community based. If the community is behind that festival, then then you know it it can go back to to its proper state. So I'm
1: the kind of a person that I don't watch previews. I just am fine going in blind to stuff, but not everybody is, and definitely not all of my listeners. So tell me some of the films that have really excited you. Of course, all of them are going to be great, but I'm curious as far
0: as personally, what are the ones that are really exciting you for this year? For the first time ever, we have three titles that premiered at Sundance, and so we're kind of the next stop for these films so like our opening night film fremont is my favorite film out of Sundance and that was in the next section and that it's kind of almost like a classic 1980s american independent film but with the slant of being kind of told from an a recent immigrant's point of view which is not necessarily where like say jim jarmusch's film from 1983 would have would have positioned things and it's very self-consciously i think or consciously Using some of that language, but to a different end, and something more comedic, and kind of putting immigrant communities in in a story where they may normally be in the periphery, but they're actually quite central, and it's surprisingly very funny too. So that films I'm pretty crazy about. And then you know, we basically have each night of the festival we have a showcase screening where we kind of put an extra spotlight on 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 a film in our in our big theater, the Redstone. And so we have films like Fremont, and then rodeo which was which premiered at Cannes, and that's got a really scrappy genre thriller even beans into sci-fi to some degree film that that i was sort of shocked was not bigger deal out of Cannes, and it actually opens theatrically right after it, it screens with our festival world uh, a film called the taste of mango which is uh chloe abraham's first feature that just premiered at true false so will be the second stop for that film and that's a, a personal film about her mother and grandmother from sri lanka um, and then a film that premiered at Rotterdam called New Strains. I don't. I think we're the second stop for that film too, and it's a New York film, sort of inspired by the pandemic, shot during the pandemic, but very very funny, sort of standard deaf indie film. And then and then the closing night film Mami Wata, which is another Sundance film, which won the cinematography prize, and that is an absolutely distinctive West African film that looks and plays like a fable, but then also has some clear present-day elements and and overtures. Um, oh. So I'll, I'll stop there and let, I'll put a couple titles out there.
2: And all those films are, I just want to add, are crowd-pleasers, which I yeah. think is really nice that it turned out this way. It's not that we try to get crowd-pleasers or, or, or films that hit in a more, let's say, direct way um, for those slots, but it's nice that it kind of naturally... Turned out that way. And And, and in very different ways. I was going to say,
0: yeah, they're very diverse among the five of them.
2: Since Eric focused on the showcase films, I'll focus on some of the documentaries and and avant-garde films. I think one really quite important film that I'm very, very proud we're showing is a, a film from Senegal. Actually, it's kind of Senegalese and then in a kind of unofficial way, a Mauritanian film by a Senegalese filmmaker named Alassane Diago and sadly Alassane won't be able to join us because his his visa was denied by the United States government but the film documents a meeting of survivors and refugees in Senegal from the late 80s early 90s mass expulsion of black Mauritanians that was undertaken by the Arab controlled government of Mauritania. All these people were forced from their home country, their homeland, and to forced to migrate or just physically ejected from the country and sent to Senegal under the cover of a border war that was at the same time ongoing between the two countries. But what it really was was an attempt by the Mauritanian government at that time to ethnically cleanse the region of of, of Black Mauritanians in particular. It's an undercovered story and under a not particularly visible story that the film addresses in a way that's not towards a Western audience. it's it's towards the audience of people those people affected by the by these events and enacts a kind of truth and reconciliation process as we hear in this meeting of uh, the different accounts of various survivors of this this atrocity that was carried out. And it's very simple, very quiet, uh, very durational film. And it's exactly the kind of documentary i like us to have at, at, at first look. Another film that I really love is one of the Sundance premieres that Eric mentioned. It's a Mike Gibbiser and Mary Helena Clark's Common Sequence, which was in the New Frontier section at Sundance, along with two other experimental features. And um, it's a difficult film to describe, but I think the best way to put it is that it's an essay film on a range of themes uh, having to do with the extraction of information and knowledge from the natural world, either from animals or plants or crops, or even extending to our own genetic information. And the way in which this knowledge then becomes uh, exploitable for the purposes of commercial enterprise or military uses or other forms of utilitarian um, and and self-interested control, let's say. And the film explores this in a very compellingly lucid fashion through case studies in three different parts of the world. So one is a small town in small fishing village in Mexico. And then another are the apple orchards in the Northwest of America. And then again on the, uh, uh, native American reservation lands in the Dakotas. And through these cases ultimately reaches some kind of, uh, relational framework that makes all of these spaces start to feel connected in an odd way that's not visible. And so for me, what's powerful about this work is that it attempts through mostly a direct observational documentary format to depict things that actually we can't see. And I think that that's a very um, brave and difficult thing for a movie to undertake.
1: And I know, I know you're more into some experimental stuff as well. Can you tell me a little bit about the experimental programs you put together? It was two shorts
2: programs this year, which we also did last year and the year before that. Programs are responses to what I felt was the most exciting work that I watched. And I, as Eric mentioned earlier, we don't have official public submissions process. So most of these films are films that I'm requesting to see of artists who are working artists that I'm familiar with or artists that I find through research of other festival lineups or films that I've been lucky enough to see at other festivals. And so I I think the themes of these two programs that have emerged are specifically related to me finding ways to respond to what the filmmakers were interested in. So in the case of the first program, they're all American films or rather North American films. There's a couple Canadian films uh, and they're all films that are reflecting on, let's say, the American landscape in some way or other, often in a humorous way, sometimes in a slightly eerie or haunting way. And I felt that they all spoke to each other in ways that are surprising and contrasting. And I think that that's what makes a good program. Is if it doesn't become too intellectual, if it's just more like rhythmic or harmonic relational beats or dissonances. And this that's similar to the second program, which is, as it happens, almost entirely non-American films. In fact, I think it's entirely non-American films, which relate to each other in, again, these kind of more purely rhythmic or tonal ways. And I like to things together that way because it, the a- ethic of it is not really to produce thesis linking a number of films the ethic is to try to create a composed experience that will actually excite and entertain and hopefully wow an audience and i think these films do that they're they're very very beautiful all of them
1: as you guys are going out to all these different festivals and seeing so many movies and then- Kind of bringing home all of these for first look i mean are you seeing themes are you seeing you know particular topics being brought up again and again i mean i know last year there was so much concentration on the ukraine war which unfortunately i'm not seeing as much but you know of course ukrainian filmmakers have other things on their mind right now but you know what are you seeing as far as out there in the world and then specifically you know i know eric you mentioned that there are some real crowd pleasers this year, and it's—I wonder if we're kind of going back to like, not necessarily the lighter and fluffier things because they're very challenging films, but having some sort of hope for the future. It's not
2: that we films from the Ukraine right now are are turning away from the war. There are many films that are actually dealing with the current conflict. I think in very exciting and serious ways, and we tried to actually, I you know. Eric can speak to this. There were a number of films we were interested in programming, some we just didn't get. I think that those are there, are there are films out there. And then last year, I'll just say that, you know, we programmed that festival before the conflict began. And so the films that spoke to the region and the, the political conditions in that region that have led to this conflict, we were just responding to what the artists were, were surfacing.
0: Yeah, and, and we do have two films this year from Ukraine, or I would say one from Ukraine, one addressing the situation. One is a film that was shot just before, or in the years before, this 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 new era of the conflict called Three Women, and that's set in a sort of Western, you know, uh, sort of remote area in the Carpathians that seems very far away from, from, from that situation, but it's actually really moving to kind of visit that space and that. You know, that um, that space in the in the kind of moments before things really really changing everywhere for that country. I know the short film which we're actually showing as part of our opening night presentation called Away and that's from a Belarusian filmmaker Ruslan Sedatov um, and that's set in Budapest where there are um you know, refugees from the conflict young people. Uh, the two main characters are are, are are teenagers and they also spend time with very young, Children who are kind of working through their own their own trauma. Really fantastic observational film. The other major theme of the year that I'm seeing, which I think is some somewhat telling of, of there being several years of the pandemic. Um, although it's probably also just the fact that some of these films take a long time to make and there happen to be just coincidentally that they've they've arrived in 2023. Oh, and we have a representation of one of these, which is the Taste of Mango, which I mentioned before by Chloe Abrams which are sort of first person, you know, borderline home movies with young female protagonists addressing generations of of either generations of trauma or generations of immigration. And so like I just came from True False, where there were basically three or four films in this mold. There was, there was Taste of Mango. There's Junom, which premiered at Sundance. There's Millet de Sando, a South African film that also premiered at Sundance. There's Hummingbirds an American, Mexican-American film that um, just premiered at, at Berlin that they had. Um, and so there was really undeniable that that was a real theme. I also loved that True False programmed all of these films. What sometimes can happen at a, a festival is that they feel like they need to sort of cover their bases and they wind up kind of turning down fantastic films because maybe it, it's too similar to something else in their program. True False doesn't care about that. And, and we don't care about that either Is kind of how, even though we had 18 features, we wound up with four or five films that were, you know, either set in or by Ukrainian film, you know, set in Ukraine or by Ukrainian filmmakers last year. That wasn't, that was, oh, we were responding to what was powerful and and vital in that moment. So, you know, I will say just in terms of your question, about where things are at festival live, what festival wise, I do think that's, we're seeing, we're seeing that. And that's, and that's great. You know, it's whether it's coincidental or because of the, the era that we've come out of. But also and one, one last thing is the idea was, I think our idea of, of crowd pleasing might be a little bit different than in other festivals that you have crowd pleasing. <laughs> there are films that I think that you know, in terms of like our sense of crowd pleasing is that I do think that there's a, a maybe a wider spectrum of the, of our audience or our New York audience that can find a way in to, to some, to some of these films. Um, yeah, they're not quite the same thing as what's going to be playing at the multiplex on this weekend, but we hope that's exactly why it's appealing to people.
1: And Ed, I know you mentioned that there was the Senegalese filmmaker who was unable to attend this year, but can you tell me about some of the other filmmakers who will be in attendance? We're
2: very lucky that actually several of the filmmakers are local this year. So Chloe Abrams lives between New York and London and is in New York right now. So she'll be joining us with Taste of Mango. And Mary Helena Clark, lives in, in New York, so she'll be on hand for Common Sequence along with her co-director, Mike Gibbiser, who will be flying in from Wisconsin. And and then the New Strains team, the co-directors, Artemis Shaw and Prashanth Kamalakanth, and they will be joining us. Both of them live in New York. Um, so I'm very happy that that's worked out. I, I also do want to mention that you had asked about the Persistent Visions Experimental Shorts programs. And we're very lucky for the first time to have for the first program every film represented by one of its filmmakers. So the only filmmaker who will not be able to attend is Kevin Jerome Everson, but every every film, including Kevin's film, which is co-directed with Cladrina Herald as part of their Black Fire project. Cladrina will be in attendance and all the other films will have their filmmakers with them. so we're we're really pleased about that.
0: Obviously, each of the showcase films will have folks attending. So Babak Jalali is actually coming in from, from London and star Anaito Wabizada will also be there. Ruslan Fedotov, who's been based in Hungary, will be there for opening night. Um, the director of Rodeo de Quivoron will be joining us from France. So and on and on and on. In fact, there's most of the films have talent attending It's only a few really where we weren't able to get folks to come i think then cj fiery obasi the director of mami wata will be coming from nigeria i think he's the one who's coming from the furthest distance iwilina rosinska is coming from poland one of three filmmakers actually coming from poland so yeah we're we're doing we're doing well in terms of bringing folks in that's kind of like the one of our, our our main priorities honestly is like any money that we have for this festival either that we raise or that we put aside for it, we put towards bringing filmmakers in and putting them up because um, it's it's a festival that, you know, it, it's, it's certainly not kind of well-financed festival like a Sundance or a Tribeca or something like that, but it is. So therefore, the entirety of its spirit really comes down to having people in the room and having filmmakers in the room with each other. And that's one of the reasons why we started that Work in Progress series was because Filmmakers wanted to be there and they wanted to be a part of it and they were just simply hanging around even after their films to either watch each other's films or get a drink. And so, well, okay, well, if you're going to be here and you're attentive to one another, why don't you actually help each other out a little bit too and look at some cuts? So yeah, the fact that we're bringing in so many folks is is great, but that's always that's a strong preference because it all happens in our venue and because our audiences are used to having Engage- engaging with filmmakers and talking about process. Like, Edo and I think about process a lot. And I think as a result, the conversations we have with filmmakers one's focusing a lot on process. So I, I think that folks, I think our audience feels like that these filmmakers are available to them, you know, that we have like more extended conversations after the films than a lot of festivals do. And because they are staying local you know, those conversations kind of spill out into the lobby and maybe kind of continue over the course of those days. That's, that's sort of, I think kind of the appeal for filmmakers as well is that it's not the sort of place where you're getting shuttled from one place to the next and one venue to the next and one fancy party to the next. Like our parties are pretty, pretty much either in our building or at a local bar. And you really get a chance to sort of be a part of the Astoria community while you're here.
1: All right. Well, once again, the festival runs from March 15th to 19th, 2023. In case you're listening to this in the future, you can find out all of the available details over at movingimage.us. Passes are available, I imagine, because that's the best way to go to a festival is buy a pass, go in and enjoy. So thank you so much, Eric and Eddo. I look forward to talking with you guys again next year, if not sooner. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much, Mike.